Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. This is our first devotion in our series, Radical Family, providing a biblical framework for your family. What is God's design for single people, for married people, for parents, for how the household should actually function? Well, the Bible has a whole lot to say about this. And so in our in our sermon yesterday, we came from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 33, and saw the this biblical framework for how, how a marriage works. And it's strictly gospel-based. It's, it's incredible. It's a picture of Christ and the church. There's a similar passage here, and it's in 1 Peter chapter 3. So uh, I want you to see the beautiful parallels between this design for husband and wife as a picture of the gospel in Ephesians 22 through 33, and then the same, uh, the, the same kind of instruction here in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter got very, very practical very, very quickly. It was meant to be read aloud to a largely illiterate crowd. These are the people who were being persecuted uh, by Nero in the year 64 throughout uh, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Bithynia, and Asia. That's like modern day Turkey. And uh, persecution was, was rampant and about to get worse. So uh, how do you live? How do you function? What happens when one person gets saved before their spouse? I mean, what do you do when, uh, you know, you are a woman who's married to a man who, you know, worships Zeus and now you're a Christian? Like, how does your marriage work? Uh, what, what do you do? Like, here's a, here's very direct instruction from uh, the Holy Spirit through Peter to just such a situation. In the same way, wives submit yourselves to your own husbands so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live when they observe your pure, reverent lives. Don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry or fine clothes, but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in the past, holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You have become her children when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidation. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Wow. There's tremendous theological implications to this, this warning to husbands that if they are unloving to their brides, they can expect to receive nothing from God. And there was also clear instruction for the saved wife of an unsaved husband. What does she do? All right, she leads a godly life. And then he has a front row seat to her transformation. And then he himself gets saved. This is actually the exact testimony of a famous author and now pastor, Lee Strobel, the guy who wrote The Case for a Creator and The Case for Christ, uh, a movie uh, a movie about about his his life actually just was was recently uh, recently released. He uh, had, God just bore incredible fruit, uh, you know, through through his book. One time, um, I was meeting a publishing deadline. It was for I, it was like my uh, I think it was the book What It Means to Be a Christian, and uh, I had to 
you know, I, I was sweating it. Uh, I never feel good about my, my manuscripts when I, when, I mailed, uh, when I submit them. I always like hit submit and I'm immediately filled with like deep self-loathing and regret <laughs> and feelings of inadequacy. And uh, this one time though, this one time I hit submit and felt like, yeah, like this book is going to be awesome. And I just felt, I felt so confident in it. And it was, uh, and, and I, I remember going to sleep and, and like feeling like, wow, I actually feel, feel confident, you know, in the quality of something that I, that I wrote. And then uh, woke up at like two or three in the morning stricken with horror at the realization, oh, wait, basically I did the exact same thing that Lee Strobel did in Case for Christ, <laughs> where I would just go, I would just take Old Testament prophecies and just show them fulfilled in Matthew. Uh, you know, go from Isaiah to Matthew, Isaiah to Matthew over and over again and just show how, look, this was prophesied here and it was fulfilled here. It was prophesied here and fulfilled here and prophecy, fulfillment, prophecy, fulfillment. Oh yeah. And then I just, it dawned on me at two or three in the morning, like, oh no, Lee Strobel's going to think that i tried to plagiarize him, but then it's okay. It's okay. He actually didn't invent that approach anyway. That's, that's how Paul would also uh, share the gospel. So we're good. He would actually argue from the scriptures. It says that, that Jesus is Lord. Lee Strobel was an avid atheist and his wife got involved with one of those kooky churches and he did not like it. He was, he was mad about it, but he began to just see the Holy Spirit of God work in his wife's life. And this is what led him on his journey uh, to quote unquote investigate. We'll talk more about that approach, uh, how the, the, the evidence-based approach is not actually the best approach for apologetics. Nonetheless, it's his story. It's how he came to Christ and he's impacted a whole lot more people for the gospel than I have. But his, uh, his story began by looking at his wife's life and just observing her holiness. What an incredible testimony, by the way. I mean, because he's a, he's a smart guy. He was an investigative journalist. It's probably, probably really hard to win an argument against that guy. So what is she going to do, you know, to, to dissuade him, you know, of this, uh, uh, of this, this aversion he has to her newfound faith? Well, she just led a godly life. And her holiness, her good works, the, the obvious transformation uh, the, the effect that the gospel had on his bride was what drew him in. And I'm grateful for it because he's written some great works. So what, man, what a beautiful testimony. It's exactly what was prescribed here in the context of a Christian wife to a lost husband. In the same way, wives submit yourselves to your own husband so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live, when they just observe your pure, reverent lives. Your, your beauty comes from your spirit that is devoted to God. It is a pure life. It is a reverent life. And when even lost husbands observe that, they're impacted by the power of the gospel. And I, I, gave, I gave this exact same passage, actually, uh, speaking to... Um, where the, the roles were, you know, kind of reversed, where the husband was saved and the wife was lost. Uh, it's a bit of a different dynamic because he's called to be the leader in his family. Obviously, we saw it in Ephesians. You see that here. So uh, what, you know, what's his dynamic? But the same, the, same exact, the same exact effect is possible if the husband is the one who is newly saved and his wife has a front row seat. He's like, I know this man. And he's not the same man. 
He's not the same man that I married. Something's happened here. Evidently, the gospel's true. When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of a man and transforms him, he begins repenting from sin when he stumbles and he begins to uh, bear fruit for God's kingdom and has this love for people, supernatural love and joy and peace emanating from him. I mean, he's just a different dude and she can also, she can likewise uh, be led to Christ just by the, the sheer holiness and integrity of a newly saved husband. So the original, the original intent was speaking specifically to wives who were called to submit to their husbands and follow their lead. It's even harder for a wife to lead her husband to Christ because naturally the husband is called to be the leader. This plays out in the context of church ministry really uh, in, in fascinating ways. Um, I've, I've seen some families of students saved. I have, okay. Uh, in fact, uh, at my church in Pensacola, our student ministry at one point became like one of our, uh, the, the church's strongest growth mechanisms. Like as we were seeing teenagers saved, the parents were like, what's going on with my kid? You know, they, they observe their teenagers, they catch them reading their Bibles, <laughs> you know? Uh, and then uh, every now and then you would see the family come to Christ. Uh, I remember standing there at the altar at Heritage Baptist Church with, with families of students where the student was the first Christian in her family. And then mom and dad just saw the Holy Spirit working in their kid's life and, and they, were, they were drawn in. But it was probably the exception and not the rule. Uh, within, within women's ministry, if mom is saved and dad is not, then uh, there's a small chance that we'll get to meet you know, we'll get to meet the kids. We'll get, they'll be a part of the church. She'll come pretty faithfully. Maybe she'll drag him along every once in a while. But for the most part, uh, she, uh, when, when, when the mom is trying to lead the family spiritually, uh, it just doesn't have the same effect. But if the dad gets saved, there's a 93% chance I'm going to get to meet the whole family. And it's because uh, just as a de facto leader, husbands, fathers, you have immense influence over the spiritual temperature of your household. All right, your walk with Christ is going to have an immense effect on your wife and on your kids. Slay your sin, man. All right, seek holiness. Devote yourself to good works. All right, it's a beautiful thing. Be good to your wives. If you Husbands, if you follow Jesus, if you love the Lord, man, that's the best thing you can do for your kids. It's the best thing you can do for your wife. That's what she wants more than anything in the world is for you to be devoted to Jesus. Because if you're devoted to Jesus, man, you're not going to be motivated by selfish, carnal, sinful desires. Your, your, your temper is going to fade, right? You're, the way that you devote your time it's going to change. You have now this higher eternal purpose driven not by pleasure or worldly pursuits any longer. You have a heavenly calling and it's going to put your whole family on a new trajectory. Um, this, this instruction to husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with the weaker partner, it speaks to how, how precious she is, that she is delicate, that she is weaker in the sense that fine china is weaker than a, uh, you know, a sturdy metal gumbo pot, for example. She's to be revered. Show her honor as co-heirs of the grace. To see that she's right there alongside you as a recipient of this grace, co-heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. And tomorrow we'll talk more about this one.